0: Those are, those are pretty good questions. Now, in this series on doubt, we're not actually going through all of those answers. If, if you have some of those, you're wrestling with one of those, and you go, man, I, I want to know the answers to that. One, we've got two things for you. One, you've got people, right? me, Marshall, there's other people, Clyde, small group ministers that would love to sit down and go, hey, yeah, we'll talk through some of those questions if, you have, if, if they come up. Um, we've also, last week and this week if you're wrestling with some things about doubt we have two resources for you one is called the case for christ is about jesus and is there evidence for him really being who he says and and the case for faith which is about uh, can i really believe god when i have these difficult questions We have those, and we've actually got them for you if you would like to read them. You don't have to pay for them. We're going to hand them out to you. Um, We just don't want to waste them, so we're only going to give them to people who go, yes, I really will read those. So if you're wrestling with it, you might jot yourself a note, and afterwards tonight, come find me or uh, come find one of our adults and go, hey, can I have one of those books? We have the student versions and the adult versions, and we got them for you. So we're not talking about those questions, but we're talking about doubt in general and how do I deal with it and what do I do? about, it seems like it was just not too long ago, but it's it's been over 10 years now. Um, Amanda and I served at a church before we lived here in Georgetown. And the church that we served at had church on Sunday night. You went Sunday morning and then you went back Sunday night as well. And on our way home, we, we drove by, it was actually pretty close to our house. We drove by a restaurant and they had a big sign out that said 10 cent buffalo wings. Now, when I die and I go to heaven, and God has this mansion, this room for me. I mean, I pray that it's next door to a Pluckers. I mean, that would be phenomenal. Um, some spicy ranch wings. Oh, my goodness. Love wings. And so I see 10 cent wings and I'm like, man, this is the greatest thing ever. So we go and we do that twice. Well, the second time that we went, eat 10 cent wings, I kill them. I wake up in the middle of the night and, and I, I, I have what I think is food poisoning. Now, that probably shouldn't be a surprise when I paid a dollar for 10 wings. That should have been like, it should have been like hey, 10-cent wings and salmonella on the side for free. And so I, I, I'm in bed that night. Actually, before I went to bed, I'm in multiple layers of clothes. I've got sweatpants, sweatshirt on, two or three layers of clothes. I'm laying in my bed. I've got the, the, the pillow, I mean, the sheets, the, the comforter. I've got a couple of blankets. And I, and I am like in the fetal position, and I'm shaking because I'm so cold. And I mean, I don't want to move. The only, only time I'm moving is I feel so horrible is the 70 to 71. I can't remember quite how many trips it took from that bed to the bathroom back and forth like that night. It was miserable experience. And I was like, I started thinking about it. And, and here's a backup in history. Within like two months, that was the second time that had happened to me in two months. And so I started thinking back like what, you know, what happened? I don't ever want to experience this again. And the second time I realized, I was like, you know what? We went and had those 10 cent wings like late earlier this evening. And then my brain started processing. I started thinking about like two or three weeks ago when I got the same sickness. And I was like, wait a second. We went and got those wings one other time. I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's it. Now, here's the deal. and be very honest with you. I'm not sure that I had food poisoning. I don't know. No doctor told me it could have been a 24 hour bug. I don't know. I don't know that the first time I got sick, that it was because of the 10 cent wings, I'm not absolutely sure. I, I just know one time I ate wings got sick, but I think it was the other ones. Now, here's the point I want you to understand. If you name that restaurant, and I'm not gonna tell you because I don't wanna bad mouth them because this goes out on iTunes and things like that, and then I you know, get a lawsuit and then I'll never be able to afford wings at all because I'll be poor. If you went, hey, let's go to such and such place and grab wings, I don't care if they're dollar wings. I mean I, I mean, I don't care if they're like, you know, come with a guarantee. If you go, hey, let's go eat wings there. What am I gonna say? No. I'm gonna go, no. no, of course not. Even though I don't know they're responsible in my mind, there's this little bit, this sliver of a doubt that that place is bad. And that's why we're talking about this idea of doubt because doubt, even just a small piece of it can change a lot. Fast forward to when you're married one day. You're married, you've been married for 15, 20 years. And you don't know, but you have a suspicion. You just think that your spouse might be unfaithful to you. There's just a little bit of doubt. One thing happened, and all of a sudden you're like, did, did he look at her that way? Or a text message, and like, what? And all of a sudden you get this doubt in your mind that, you're, that your spouse is having an affair. You know what that's gonna do? That's gonna change your relationship. It's gonna change how well you sleep at night. It's gonna change your level of trust. It's gonna change how you communicate with your spouse. That one little bit of doubt can change everything. And when it comes to spiritual things, God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, church, things happen and doubt comes in our mind, all of a sudden it has the power to change things as well because we're not just talking about doubting chicken wings and salmonella. We're talking about heavy things like you've prayed night after night after night after night, and God has not answered night after night after night after night, and you're starting to question and wonder and even feel and possibly believe because there's doubt in your mind that God even hears you or even exists or something even bigger than that. In the family feud game, the number one answer, you lose a loved one. You experience death in somebody that, that you care very deeply about. And all of a sudden, doubt sinks in. And, and we talked last week about doubt. And we said that everybody gets doubt. And we said that doubt doesn't have to be a bad thing. The doubt actually can pave the way to a stronger belief. But when you've lost a loved one, when that boyfriend or girlfriend has dumped you, when your parents who are both Christians who've raised you up in church decide that they're gonna divorce and that doubt begins to sink in, it can become a very real, very difficult game changer for your faith. And at that moment, looking back last week at Nicodemus' story in John chapter three, doesn't give you a whole lot of comfort. You might go, yeah, doubt can pave the way just to to faith, but I'm not feeling it right now. So what do you do? That's kind of where we're going to go tonight. What do you do when you face doubt? And you may not be facing doubt right now. Your life may be rainbows and butterflies. I mean, it might be fabulous, but but you will face doubt, and you will have something, a a question. Maybe it's an intellectual doubt or whatever. And, And hopefully, you're going to have some notes tonight that you're going to go back and reflect on and go, yeah, that makes sense, and it's going to help you journey through doubt. But as we talk about doubt, we're going to flip the coin for a second. We're going to talk about belief. And I need two volunteers on the front row. I'm not going to embarrass anything. Come stand right here. Come stand right here. Okay. We're going to talk about belief. Come over here, Roxy. Come on, my other side. So, we're going to talk about belief, which is the flip side of the coin of doubt. Now, here's what you need to know about doubt I mean, about belief, and we'll come back to doubt. This belief is made up of two things it's made up of knowledge, and it's made up of personal experience. And the stronger the knowledge and the stronger the personal experience, the stronger the belief. So you're going to be knowledge for us, okay? And you're going to be personal experience for us, okay? And so you're just going to be a gauge. I'm going to have you raise your hands and lower your hands. So you're going to be knowledge. Now let's talk about something that we know. Let's say if I said, do you believe if you jumped out of an airplane without a parachute that you would die? Of course. Because here's why. Knowledge is very high. In this area because you went to school and you went hey gravity moves at 9.81 meters per second squared i know i've read the science books that you know that that you can't like fly so knowledge is high you've also you've played let's see you played football right so playing football you went out and there was a pass thrown to you and you dove for it and when you dove in the air you didn't just know gravity exists you've got a high knowledge stand up i mean you've got high experience you felt gravity. So you got high knowledge. You've seen videos of people falling. You've seen it on YouTube. You've experienced yourself. Knowledge that gravity exists is a 10. Experience that gravity exists is a 10. Add those things together. Your belief is a 20 out of 20 that if you jump out of a plane, you don't. there's not a shadow of a doubt in your mind. If somebody goes, you know what? If you jump out of the plane, I think you, not everybody, but I think you could fly. You're not going to go, maybe. No, knowledge is high. Experience is high. You're going to go, why don't you do it? You know, let me see. Okay. So let's, let's change the game. We'll talk about my, my wife for a second. My wife, when we were, you guys can lower your scales. Yeah. She, um, Several years ago, we, we were talking, my brother-in-law and I were talking, we were talking about this radio station. I don't remember the name of the radio station, but it had a new morning show, and we were talking, about, like, oh, man, it's really funny, and, and he was, I said, it's on this channel where I live, and he's like, it's on this station where I live, and my wife walks up, and, and this, she's seriously serious to be, she goes, what are y'all talking about? We're, oh, we're talking about this new morning show on this radio station, and she goes, there's no such thing. I'm like, uh... Yeah, there. Yeah, I mean, I listen to it every morning. My brother-in-law was like, "I do too." And this is what she says, and she's a serious me. She goes, "Well, I've never heard of it." And so I looked at her and I was like, "So you oh, you've never heard of it, therefore it must not exist." That's how it works, okay? So, knowledge of the radio station is low, right? Her experience, she doesn't even know the numbers. Her experience of having heard it is low. So her, her belief that it exists, zero plus zero, zero. Now that's kind of silly because some of you would go, you know what? I have a little bit of knowledge that says there are some radio stations that I have not heard of. So your knowledge is a little bit higher. I have an experience that these two people aren't total liars. So you're going to be more inclined to believe, it, but not her. She's like, never heard of it? Nope, doesn't exist. And like, we still make fun of her to this day. Okay, so last one. Let's take something like ghosts, okay? Now, I'm going to tell you, I don't believe in ghosts whatsoever. I believe in demonic activity. I believe that demons exist and that sometimes demons may move in a supernatural way that might cause people who don't understand angels and demons or the Bible says about them to think that there might be ghosts. But let's say you grew up in a home and, and, and your family doesn't believe in ghosts, uh, you've, you've done scientific research. I mean, you've looked at what science says. You can't get a credible scientist to tell you that ghosts exist. Okay, so you're looking at knowledge and your knowledge for ghosts existing is low, the, all the way down. Yeah, because science is gonna go, no, we can't prove that, we can't see it. So knowledge is low. Okay, so experience. Now, you were nine years old and your parents were gone and the, the babysitter was there. The babysitter's in another other room and you thought you heard something and you, you walked out of your room and you, you think you saw a ghost. Not sure, but you think you did. So your experience is not all the way down because you felt you thought, but it's somewhere around there. So your belief in ghosts isn't like me because I have zero experience and the knowledge is zero. I don't believe in at all. But you go, man, I think I saw something at, at, at one point. So you might believe. But a ghost comes up to you and the ghost walks up to you and he's like, Luke, how's it going, buddy? It's going perfect. Sees you, talks to you, you look at in the face. Your experience is a 10, but everything that you know says no. So you're kind of right in the middle. Your belief is like, man, I know I saw something, but everyone else tells me I, I must, there must be something wrong with me. You see what we're So now you're, you're kind of in the middle. Thank you guys. You guys can sit down. So knowledge and belief de- determine how strongly you believe something. Now, the reverse of that is true. If you have little knowledge, little experience, your belief is low. And if your belief is low, what does that mean? It means your doubt is high. And that means everything to our conversation tonight. Because we're talking about when I doubt, how do I overcome doubt? What do I do? And we're going to see how belief how knowledge and how personal experience matter. And I want you to go to a book in the Bible called Psalm. It's right there in the middle. Open up your Bible to the very middle. And I want you to go to Psalm chapter 13. Now here's what's really cool, what I love about the Bible. When I got to Howard Payne, one of the first things I learned learned is what the Bible isn't. The Bible is not a a magic formula. Uh, If you do this and you do that and you do this, then life will be perfect. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible gives us things to do to make life better. It doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. The Bible's also, it's not meant to be a a scientific argument. And that's one of the problems. We start talking about evolution and creation and things like that. A lot of people want to get into this debate because people doubt how God says the world was created. And so we take the Bible and somebody goes, well, here's what my science book says about evolution. And we go, well, here's what the Bible says. The Bible was never meant to argue science, guys. It wasn't. Now, let me tell you this. And again, I think I said this last week, we went into it. Evolution is not good science. And we can sit down and talk about it all day long. And we're not gonna talk about what the Bible says. We're gonna talk about what science says about evolution. Because science says it's full of holes. Science itself says that it doesn't stand up when you really test it. It's just the only option that people in the naturalistic worldview have. There is no other option. So they have to hold to it, even though it's full of holes. The Bible wasn't meant to argue evolution. And if you're going to grab your Bible and try to argue with your friends about it, you're probably going to lose because that's like trying to argue Shakespeare with your physics book. It's not what it's for. The Bible is this love letter that explains God's love for his people from the beginning of creation to the end of time and the story in the midst of that. And what's beautiful about the Bible is inside of it, there's real life tragedy, there's real life heartache, there's people that say things and think things about God that if you were God, you would probably go, man, I don't really want you saying that, that question God. And God is totally okay with that because it's all a part of his love story to you. And in the Psalms, we see a lot of that. When you read a Psalm, you're reading a song. It's a song that the Jewish people used to sing. And when you read them, a lot of times it's like reading somebody's journal. It's like reading somebody's private journal. Uh, devotional times. They wrote down their feelings. And what's cool in some of the Psalms is like you can take Psalm 3 and you can read it alongside 2 Samuel 15. In 2 Samuel 15, David's son is trying to kill him. And in Psalm 3, he's writing about that experience. You can read David's heart and what he thinks about that. David, who writes a lot of these Psalms, he had an adulterous affair, had a guy killed. Did all kinds of bad stuff at one point in his life in a dark period. And God sends a prophet uh, named Nathan, and Nathan calls David out, and David gets broken and he repents from his sin. And, and you can read the story of what happened in second Sam, uh, First Samuel. Then you can read David's heart and his journal that he wrote in Psalm 51. It's pretty cool. Now, in Psalm 13, I don't know if there's a story in the Bible to this ties to, the Bible doesn't tell us this, but David writes this Psalm. And in it, we know that there's some bad things happening. David has come to a time in his life where doubt is, is pretty heavy. And we're, we're going to look at just six verses. We're going to read this whole chapter. Um, so you can be really, look really intelligent when you go home and tell your parents, we studied an entire chapter of the Bible tonight. Psalm 13, verse one, here's what David says. Now, hear his, hear his moaning, hear his frustration, hear his doubt. That's Old Testament talk. If David was writing today, if he was in, in, in sitting in this chair, he might go, God, why is it taking so long? God, why is it that my prayers just hit the ceiling? It's like, you don't answer me. he go, God, why, why is it that when I go to church, I don't feel you like I used to? That, that's what he's saying here. God, how long, how long do I have to go to school and go into a home where nobody recognizes me, where nobody even sees that I exist? God, I've been begging you to do something about it and you don't show up. I've been crying, I've been praying, I've talked to people and God, I've asked, and you're nowhere, how long? Because I'm, running, I'm running, running short on faith. God, my, my belief, I had a lot of knowledge about you, but my experience with you, you're nowhere, it's dropping and it's dropping fast. And God, as my experience drops, I begin to question my knowledge and doubt is starting to soar, God, because I don't believe like I used to. That's David's heart. It's very real. He says, how long, oh Lord, why why are you silent? But here's what's pretty phenomenal about David because David does have knowledge and David does have experience. He's He's just wrestling. And that's what I love about the Bible. It's very real. We look at people in the Bible and we're like, well, they're like Bible characters and they walked with God. They don't experience the things I experienced. No, they did. David felt all the things that you felt and he writes about it throughout the Psalm. But look at what he does because we find an answer to how we deal with this doubt. What do we do when we feel like David did? We find it in the next couple of verses, verses five and six is how he ends his Psalm and he does this quite often. He says, but God, you're nowhere to be found God has started to doubt experiences on the decline. Knowledge is becoming questionable. Doubt is rising, but I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. And he's done. I'm questioning, he says, but in the midst of my doubt, here's what I know. I know that you love and you love steadfastly. David knows because David knows the story of the Old Testament. He knows the story of his people and he sees how God has loved his people over and over again and how God has been steadfast. And David says, I know that you've been steadfast. So my knowledge is there. God, I know that you are salvation. And then look, he says, he talks about experience in verse six. I'll sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully. He's been good to me. God, I know your history, how you love. I know how you save. And I have the experience that you've been good to me all my life. And what David does is he leans in on this idea that that belief is knowledge and personal experience. And he says, when I doubt, I'm gonna go bolster those two things. I'm gonna go get the knowledge, I'm gonna get the experience. We're gonna talk about that here real shortly when we get to kind of the application. But I want you to look at one other thing. Flip over to Psalm chapter 71. I'm not gonna read that whole chapter. We're just gonna look look at a verse, two verses. Verse 16 and 17, same kind of, He says, with the mighty deeds of the Lord God, I will come, I will remind them of your righteous years alone. Now, here's why this is important. You look at verse 17. Oh God, from my youth, you have taught me. From my youth, when I was a teenager, when I was a child, you've taught me and I still proclaim your wondrous deeds. You are making decisions right now as a youth, as a teenager, that one day when you're an adult, You're going to have the opportunity to go, God, when I was younger, you were showing up. God, when I was young, you were teaching me. And God, now as I'm an adult and there's some things going on in my life, I just got fired from my job and my marriage is on the rocks. And God, I'm starting to doubt. I'm wondering where you are. You're going to be able to go, you know, God, I'm going to reflect back to when I was a student, what you did in my life as proof of what you're going to do now. But I'm going to tell you right now, and I don't mean to scare you. If you're not leaning into what God is doing in your life and what he wants to do, If you're not gaining knowledge about God and you're not gaining personal experience with him, there's gonna come a time where you're gonna need that and it's gonna be bankrupt. And doubt's gonna go crazy. I'm almost 40, I'll turn 40 this year. There are very few things in my life when it comes to spiritual things that I doubt. In fact, I I, I don't even know if I can name one. That's because for the last 25 years, I've been chasing after knowledge for God and I've been in multiple personal experiences with him. And if something even remotely bad happened to me, very bad, I I might wrestle with it, but it's not going to be wrestling like another person. And it's not because I'm better than anybody. It's not because I'm smarter than anybody. It's not because God loves me more. It's because the history of my life has been building knowledge and personal experience with God and doubt has begun to disappear. So if that's you, or if it's not you and you want to keep it from being you, Here's what we do. Three things. Write these things down, especially if you're not wrestling with doubt. I say, especially if you're not wrestling with doubt, because one day you will. Here's the first thing you need to do you need to start pursuing knowledge. You need to start understanding who God is, what His character is like. How does God move? What does He say? You know, we talked about that last week kind of misperceptions. Some of us doubt comes in, our knowledge suffers because. Something bad happens. I said this last week, we lose a loved one. And all of a sudden, man, we're wrestling with doubt. God never promises anywhere in scripture that everybody's gonna live forever. It's just not not true. God never promised that every prayer you answer, you pray he's going to answer. Because you may pray some stupid prayers and God's not bound to answer them. In fact, you're praying some prayers right now that 10 years from now, you're gonna look back and you're mad at God because he hasn't answered them. It's causing you to doubt. And 10 years later, you look back and you're gonna go, thank you, Jesus, for not answering that prayer. That was a stupid prayer and I had no idea how stupid it was until now. So God's not gonna do all of those things and he he doesn't owe it to you. But as you begin to understand the character of God and how God moves and what he does and, and what his nature is, it builds that knowledge and you do that by reading this say that a lot when it comes to application. That's kind of maybe where some of you just need to start. You need to start on a regular basis reading your Bible. You need to get a devotional guide to help you along with it. You can get one on version. We we can help you get one. We can tell you which ones to find, something that goes along to tell you what to read and why, so you don't just go, okay, he told me I should start reading my Bible. Okay, I'm going to start reading here, James 4. And and you don't understand it, we'll get you a devotional, but you start reading that Bible so that you can understand the nature and character of God. That's why it is so important for you to be involved in worship. For, that's, it's so important for you guys, especially if you go to church here, to be here at 11 o'clock and going to, to big church. If you go to another church of being in your church on a Sunday morning, you go, why? Because every time that pastor gets in the pulpit and starts speaking, you have a chance of hearing a story that somebody's going to tell about something that God did in their life, and it's going to go into your knowledge bank, and you're going to go, you know what? I may not have experienced, but I know God showed up in his life, and I know God showed up in her life, and I had the story about how God showed up in his life. And all of a sudden, the more you're under this teaching of God's word, the more stories you hear about how God shows up, it bolsters your knowledge and your doubt shrinks. We went to Oceanside. You've heard about this. The, The pastor we serve, Chris Martinez, I love Chris. Between our first trip and our second trip, Chris's baby boy developed cancer and he died. I think there's a picture. You can see, it's a small picture. You can see how little he is, little baby boy. I mean, we were in the midst of that. And I remember, man, that's just painful. They say one of the, 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 the highest stressor someone have is to lose a spouse or a child. We went under incredible amounts of stress in the hospital day after day for months, praying that God would do something, that God would save this little baby and the baby died. Chris and I sat down this spring break over lunch one day as we were waiting for a guy to come help us, a carpenter. We we're waiting for this guy and we're talking. We just started talking about his story. And as Chris tells the story about going through that tragedy four years ago or so, he starts telling about how right after that, weeks after that, another girl in the community in Oceanside, a teenage girl, gets cancer. She's in the hospital. Chris and his family show up. And the family's in there frantic and as they're as they're stressed out and they don't know what to do, all of these machines start beeping. Beep, 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 and, and they're panicking, and Chris walks over and just hits the button. You push this button and then go tell the nurse that it went off and they'll come reset it. And then something else starts, beep, beep, beep. And he goes, "Oh, you do this? Because he'd just been there. And he starts talking about the ministry that he has to this family. And then he starts telling me about his oldest daughter and her, her desire to, to do something for families who have gone through cancer that, for the siblings like she did. She's been inspired to make a difference to start a ministry. And story after story, and when you hear his heart, here's what you hear. You don't hear, God took my baby. You don't hear, I don't believe in God anymore because God did something bad. What you hear is through the worst, most tragic moment of my life, God has been faithful. That's his story. You know what that means? That means if God forbid something happens to one of my children, And I'm not saying it's gonna be easy because of that, but I can now look back and have knowledge, go, you know what? God has been faithful. And if God has been faithful to Chris, and if God has been faithful to the people of scripture, if God has been faithful through all of history, he can be and will be faithful to me. And my doubt begins to disappear. That's why going to church is important. You hear those stories. That's why being in a small group down this hallway on Sunday morning is important because you're around a group of people who are sharing life. And when you go, man, I'm wrestling with this, and I don't know, somebody go, that happened to me too. Here's what God did. And you get this cumulative effect of story upon story that builds your knowledge. And the stronger your knowledge, the stronger your belief, and the stronger your belief, the less your doubt. Does that make sense? I mean, it's pretty simple when you think about it you bolster that knowledge and you do those things. One thing you might also do if you're a reader, go pick up some Christian biographies, read some stories of people who have been before you and see what God has done in their life. So you, first thing you do is you begin to build this knowledge base. The second thing, I bet you can probably guess what it is, personal experience. Stronger the knowledge, stronger the experience, stronger the faith. Weaker the knowledge, weaker the experience, stronger the doubt. So you're in the middle of doubt. You you ask yourself three questions. I need to breeze through these. I think we're running out of time. You ask yourself three questions. Here's one of them. One of them is, what has God done in my past? That's what David says in these Psalms. I look back at my youth. God, you've always done good to me. You look back what has God done in my past? And all of a sudden you start seeing that God has done some pretty incredible things in your life. You're in a a valley now. You're in some dark times now and there's doubt, but you look back and you go, I haven't always been, God's done some pretty great things in my life. One of the things we encourage your parents to do if they come to the parenting teen class and they, is we encourage them to have a family time with you guys. And maybe if your parents are parent's out, maybe you go and throw this out to your mom and dad to go through and as a family collect some markers that are historical markers of when God moved in your life. That's what the Israelites did. They got stones and they built altars where God had moved. They named cities after moments when God had showed up. I share this story a lot and it's, it's, it's just a good one for me. When we go to Leadership retreat, if you're on Leadership Track and, and you go with us this summer, at some point during our free time, you'll, you'll find me if you're following me around, which would be creepy, um, in the ballroom at Port Royal. There's a spot, pretty much know where it's at, not exactly, but I, mean, I got the feel of it. It's a spot in a ballroom at a, re, at a resort where when I was a junior in high school, I was there for youth camp, and it's the place where I knelt down after a camp worship service and gave my life to ministry. It was a marker in my life of God showing up and doing something and making some things clear. And I like to walk around that place and go, that's a special place. It's a a marker for me. My daughter just got baptized and and, and people gave her jewelry and some things like that. Some with like the date inscribed when she became a believer and when she got baptized, that's a marker. I'm letting her wear it now, but she's not gonna wear it much longer because it's gonna go and be put away. So that whenever she faces doubt, one day down the road, we can go, remember, remember this? You have these models of what did God do in the past? You ask yourself question number two what's God doing right now? I don't sense God, but maybe God's trying to teach me something. Maybe God's trying to say something to me, and, that's, and I'm not listening. And all of a sudden, boom, right out of that doubt, because God's, yeah, that's what I've been trying to do. What has God done in the past? What's He doing now? And the third question is what's He doing in people's lives around me? You start looking for the experience of what God has done and what He's doing. And then here's the third thing, and then we'll close. You, you get some other people along the way to help you make sense of it. You got your knowledge, you got your experience, but guys, I'll be really honest with you. If you're in a bad place right now, if you're in a, something's going on in your life and it's causing you doubt, in reality, it's kind of hard to see these two things we've been talking about, knowledge and experience. Sometimes it's hard to see the forest for the trees because of where you're at. And sometimes we need some people to come alongside of us to help point those things out to us. Because we go, what has God done in the past? And we're in such a dark place that we go, nothing. And what's God doing now? Nothing. And what's God doing in our lives with people around me? Nothing. Because I'm depressed and I'm sad. I'm not making fun of that. It's just where you're, you're at. You need somebody to come along and say, go, that's not true. Remember this and remember that. And they help you do those things. Let me give you a, a little bit of example. I, I didn't, actually didn't need somebody. This week, for me, was, was kind of a rough week. Um, when we went to Oceanside, I took my boots in. Um, for some reason, God made me with a weird walk and, and my boots wear weird. And so I had to get, I had to get the soles uh, redone all the time. So I take my boots in and it's like 70 bucks to do that. So I put those in. So I know I've got that bill. Come back from Oceanside, start going to put my iPod, get my iPod. And I realized that my iPod got left on one of the rental vans in San Diego. So I had to go online and I had to go buy an iPod. I'm walking, this all within a week, I'm walking in my tennis shoes and I I trip on something. I look back and there's like nothing that I've tripped on. And I look under my shoe and the entire heels of my tennis shoes are now coming off. And I'm like, man, I had to buy an iPod, several hundred bucks there to get my shoe. Now I got to go buy some new tennis shoes. Kid you not, the next day I'm headed to the gym. Something happens. I don't even know what happens. I go to pull my phone out. And when I pull my phone out, It flies out of my hand and does like a perfect 10.0 belly flop, glass first, pow, on the pavement. I pick it up and I'm like, great, I've got to buy a new phone now. And then my air conditioner went out. $1,000. And it's April, it's about to be May and June and July and August, God help us in Texas. And I had no air conditioning. And the guy goes, it's a thousand bucks. What am I going to say? Like, I got to get it fixed. You know, I'm like, okay. And I'm walking around. I'm like, man, this week sucks. You know, I'm like, golly, I'm going to have to like, I'm looking on Craigslist. Does anybody need a kidney that I can donate? You know, like, you know, black market stuff. (laughs) And I didn't need somebody. I'm glad, but sometimes you do. It was just God. went, you know what? You like to say this to people, Brett, hashtag first world problems. Here's the deal. You've got shoes. You could keep wearing your shoes that don't have soles, and you'd have better shoes than 90% of the world. Both of the pairs. You've got an iPod. You, you've, you've got a little plastic and metal thing that carries around your music, and you're complaining because you... Had to go buy a new one. And there's people that live in your state that want bread today. God going, kind of went, don't tell me about your problems. Oh, your phone broke. Do you know there's not a whole lot of phone lines and cell service in the entire continent of Africa? And I'm like, yeah. And your car? Oh, you don't have air conditioning. You know how many people don't have a car? I'm like, okay. Sometimes we need, when we're in the midst of the bad place, and those are trivial things compared to heavy things. Sometimes we need somebody to come along and go, hey, you've got a lot of things that you're taking for granted. You're focusing on things that are causing doubt. Look at all the things that God has given you to cause you belief. And you need friends like that. Someone to come along and say, hey, refocus. So if you're in a time of doubt, lean into the word of God, show up in church, Get involved in a small group. Read some biographies. Get that knowledge. If you're in a time of doubt, start looking around. What is God doing? If you can't see Him, get some of your friends to help point it out to you because God is moving your life. Sometimes it's just hard to see. And let your knowledge and your experience begin to grow so that doubt begins to fade. If you doubt God came in tonight not even knowing if he really exists, I want you to know this. We're coming up this week on Easter Sunday, Friday, getting the privilege to do our Good Friday service and talking about the crucifixion. History tells us, history tells us that Jesus died on a cross. Not just a Bible story, history tells us. History tells us that they don't know where the body is, so there's knowledge. You may be lacking personal experience. If you're lacking the knowledge, I said, so we got the books, Case for Christ. he will give you the knowledge. Prove to you, show you the evidences that Jesus is who he says he is, God. We'll fix that for you. We got him to that. I can't fix your personal experience though. At some point, faith kicks in and you have to go, God, I'm gonna look at the knowledge and I'm just gonna jump into the experience. And some of you came in tonight doubting God and he's been stirring in your heart. And tonight's the night you need to jump in and say, Jesus, I believe. And if that's you, what I wanna do is I'm, I'm gonna pray for us and I'm gonna ask you to pray with me and ask Jesus to come into your life and save you. i ask Jesus to show up and be real to you and begin changing your life, begin to walk with him you will. As you gain knowledge, you'll begin to gain experiences and doubt will disappear. So I'm going ask you to bow your heads for a second. If you came tonight and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you do, you want that. You want God to be real to you. I want you to pray this. I want you to, I want you to say this and just be honest with you, God, sometimes I doubt. But I want to believe God, I want to believe. I want you to make yourself real. And if God is moving in your heart right now and you're starting to experience the Holy Spirit, convict you, the Holy Spirit calling you out, I want you to continue praying. I want you to pray this. Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you were raised from the dead. And I want you to come into my life and forgive me of my sin. I want you to be boss in my life just say this, say, Jesus, today, I'm gonna start learning how to be a follower. Thank you for saving me. Here's what I'm gonna ask you to do. If you prayed that prayer, I'm gonna ask you to come up here in a moment. We're gonna sing, we've about to stand and sing one last song. I'm gonna ask you to come up and Lance or somebody, could you find me a pen, please? So I can put it up here. There's this little half sheet of paper. I'll leave my Bible there. I just want you to write your name and a way to contact you so we can talk about what's next. Uh, for you in this journey. Because we don't want Satan to come in and cause more doubt. We want to get you walking with knowledge and experience so that your faith grows. We're going to sing, and then we're going to come up and do some announcements and giveaway boxes. Let's stand. There's a piece of paper and a pen up here. If you made a decision to follow Jesus tonight, come let us know.